0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: For today's episode, I want to thank the folks over at HubSpot Academy. Whether you work the 9-to-5 grind or have delved into the wonderful world of weird work, everyone can benefit from a little extra knowledge. For absolutely zero dollars, that means no money. HubSpot Academy provides short lessons and entire courses on everything from blogging to user experience to inbound marketing and sales and even Facebook marketing. What are you waiting for? Go get your free training at hubspot.com weird. That's hubspot.com weird. All right, bring up the stage lights. It's showtime. If you've wanted yet feared to do work that is weird, this is the show you just need to hear. The Babonic plague, Pixar's Parisian little restaurant romp Ratatouille, or maybe the New York subway and a slice of pizza. Whatever the reason, you already have some opinions about the kings and queens of our sewers. That's right, rats. Melissa Arleth saw the potential for these little creatures to perform on stage, but she was also fond of cats. So she created Cirque du Seur, the world's only cats and rat circus. The show mixes acrobatics, death-defying fire stunts, and nature's favorite mortal animal enemies. What could possibly go wrong? I'm your host, Sam Balter, and this is Weird Work. Now let's listen to them speak about their jobs. Which are quite unique. Weird work. You run a cats and rats circus. Two creatures that I would think are almost mortal enemies of each other. So, how many rats did you lose to cat murders last year? No, that's
2: a horrible question. (laughs) I I have not lost any rat. If anything, the rats terrorize the cats more um, no, you you can get rats and cats to get along. I mean, I do not have any unsupervised playtime. I'm always watching them. And I got the cats when they were kittens, so they were about the same size as rats. But rats are a lot bigger than mice. So already, like, they're huh. not easy prey for cats. And my rats kind of run the trailer. They're pretty bold. So my rats will run up to the cats. So they're not acting like prey and the cats kind of just get confused or intimidated. So I haven't had a cat go after a rat to its face, but when they turn around and they see the tails, it looks like string, and then they bat at it, <laughs> at which point the rat will turn around and get right up in the cat's face. And, you know.
1: So help me picture your show Cirque du mm-hmm. How would you describe your act?
2: I call it the acro rats, acro cats, and acro humans sometimes. I originally was calling it the Acrobat with Acro Rats. And then I found out there was some woman doing a cat circus calling it the Acro Cats, which was kind of a bummer. But then I realized that's the most obvious joke there is. (laughs) So I guess it's logical that both of us would think of the same pun. Um, So I I would say the Cat and Rat Circus, or I say we have trained cats, trained rats, a trained acrobat, that's me. We even have a musician that's almost housebroken. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I, I guess it's it's kind of hard to describe. I'll often say you've never seen anything like it unless you've seen our show before. Because I do make a very conscious decision to try to create content that's unlike what I've seen. And I see a lot of variety and a lot of Renfair acts.
1: So, like, what are some of the different acts that you perform throughout the show?
2: Well, I think the coolest part is my rope-walking finale. But really, it's the animals that get people excited One of my favorite bits in the show that the rats do, I called it my rat Rube Goldberg machine, and it's this sort of (laughs) elaborate obstacle course. Uh, You Actually, if you saw us on the gong show with the rat, that's that routine. Uh, When I do it in the show, I build it up like the rat is going to jump this impossible distance, and then, of course, it doesn't, and I have little clown reactions. So I do a headstand, and then I do a straddle split, and the platforms are exactly as far apart as my feet are in a straddle split. So the rat runs across my legs to the next platform, goes up a rope ladder, hops in a rat wheel, runs on a track in the rat wheel to the end of the platform, goes down like a little uneven staircase thing, jumps through a hoop, goes over a teeter-totter, jumps to another platform. Uh, There's a ladder that is kind of hanging loose, so it runs up the ladder and its weight causes the ladder to swing and attach with a magnet on the bottom. And once it's fastened, the rat can run to the bottom platform, run center stage, quote unquote, uh, do three turns, run jump through another hoop, run up a ladder, and then <laughs> press a lever with an applause sign. So it's it's kind of a lot of behaviors.
1: <laughs> it's that's a lot. That's a lot of steps. Mm-hmm. So what about on the cat front? So uh with
2: the cat, it's uh the I call it the cat ballet. Although I often say, because when two humans do ballet together, it's called a pas de deux. When I perform with my four-legged feline friend, it's my pas de quatre. <laughs> and it's—I I like really bad puns. <laughs>
1: yeah, this is a very pun-heavy show. I love it.
2: <laughs> so, um, when when he was a kitten, I started training him to jump like over my legs and through my legs, and like I'll. I point to my various body parts and he knows to jump to my butt or my shoulder or my head or my knee. So it's a routine where I have the point shoes and I do extensions and passe and he jumps through and over my legs and he does weaves through my legs. And then the last thing we do is I lie on my back with my legs up and my feet flexed and he jumps on my flexed feet and then I do a little backward shoulder roll and he runs along my body to my head and then I go up and point and I juggle three knives. <laughs>
1: I like how casual the end, the ending statement of, and I just juggle three knives is. Maybe I
2: juggle three knives, like you do. I mean, if you've got a cat in your head already, you might as well juggle knives, right?
1: Yeah, that wasn't my first thought personally, <laughs> but yeah, sure. <laughs> so, okay, set the scene for me. Where are you when you're doing these types of performances?
2: Right now we do pretty much exclusively Renaissance fairs, but we do a 45-minute-ish show It's hard to keep to a specific time because I have cats and cats don't know about picking up cues. So I'll have to cut part of my rope routine, which bums me out because the cat took 10 minutes to scratch itself, but the audience loves when the cats don't Behave just as much like even more, actually. I've been told the more I'm suffering on stage, the more enjoyable it is for the audience. So it's good for someone, I guess.
1: Yeah, I guess it's kinda <laughs> like when you watch like uh Saturday Night Live or something and the actors like break character yeah. and just start laughing. <laughs> yeah, like it's always fun. It's kind
2: of like that, <laughs> only it's a grown woman begging a cat to jump through a hoop. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so we do primarily Renaissance <laughs> fairs. So they're outdoor shows, which means rain or shine which is kind of difficult. Like we just had a rain day this weekend and I can't really set up my rope on the stage. It's too slick. So instead of doing rope walking, I had cats jump through hoops of fire and it wasn't raining yet and it was supposed to rain. It wasn't predicted to rain until the show was over. So I thought, yeah, we can get this in. We can do this cat ballet. We've got the three cats on stage. And like the thunder... Uh, is starting and you could see the clouds coming in and it's getting darker and you know it's just going to start raining any second and i'm like okay we're gonna do the last trick the cat's gonna jump through fire and i look and every last cat is like jumping off its platforms and running backstage
1: Yeah, the cats. The cats give zero fucks about sticking around for the show.
2: Oh yeah, no, it was it was every cat for himself. I did get Schrodinger back on stage, and he jumped through the fire.
1: You've mentioned a few of your cat names, mm-hmm. and they're positively hilarious to <laughs> me. So, could you just like quickly like list off the name of your your cat actors?
2: All right. So, my oldest cat is Padkey Meow. I have two kittens that I adopted around this time last year. One of them is named Schrodinger, and the other one is named Sputnik. Uh, now, I let my assistant, who is uh, he was born in Soviet Union, his first language is Russian, so I told him he could name one of the cats, and he said, Luna, let's name it Luna. And I said, okay, fine, Luna. And the next day I looked under the cat's tail, and I was like, that's not a girl cat. <laughs> so we compromised, and it's named Sputnik.
1: I think, I think Schrodinger, Schrodinger is probably my favorite one. That's <laughs> a fantastic name for a cat.
2: I thought it was amusing. I always say I name him Schrodinger because I don't know until we're on stage if he's going to do the trick or not.
1: (laughs) So so when you were starting out with this show, Mm -hmm. did you start out with cats, with rats, or just human, or was it both? Like, how did the show start with incorporating animals?
2: So long before I wrote this show— I was in the acting company at a Renaissance fair, like between semesters of college. And that was when I first even knew that writing a weird 45-minute variety show was a thing you could do with your life. And I thought, well, I've seen jugglers and sword swallowers and sword fighting. If I was going to write a show, what would I want mine to be? And I thought, well, it would need to be different than anything I'd ever seen. And I had pet rats because I love rats. And I thought, what if it was a a rat circus? a circus with rats. That's brilliant. And I was sitting on the couch with my boyfriend at the time and we're like, what would you call a rat circus? And I was like, "Cirque do Cirque du, do sewer. It's brilliant. I got to write it. And then I didn't write it for 10 years. But 10 years later, I had fairs that I already had a relationship with with my old puppet show. And when they said, I want to hire you for the puppet show, I said, well, only if you'll also give me two stage slots a day with this new show that I've written. And as soon as I got there, the new show was so much more popular than the puppet show had been that like, pretty soon I never did a puppet show again.
1: I feel like I'm in the majority and I don't love rats. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, like... When you first started bringing out rats mm-hmm. as part of your show, like, what was the audience reaction to it? Were people terrified or nervous about it?
2: You you would be surprised how many people have had rats and love rats. Really? Yes. Uh, when I first brought the rats out – in fact, before I brought them out here years and years earlier when I had pet rats, I was playing like a rag picker, groveler character at the Ren fair. And I trained my rat at the time just to sit on my shoulder. Her name was Dangerous Beans, the Barefoot Piddler. You never forget your first. And then I got her a friend, uh, which was Merkin McGillicuddy. He's a little black rat named Merkin. And I had them trained to hide under my hair and I would click my tongue and they would like pop out on my shoulder and kind of scare people. But the reaction oh. every single time was like I'd click my tongue and a rat would pop its head out and they would all go, ah! Oh.
1: Oh. Okay. So people, when they see it after a second, they're less terrified. Yes. Like there's
2: a moment of, holy crap, that's a rat, and then they look at the little little face and the big eyes and the wobbly nose and the ears, and they're like, oh it's they're cute. They're a rat. <laughs> so rats, rats are wonderful pets, and if you've ever had a pet rat, then you know they're wonderful pets. So I like fifty times a day, people will come up to me and say, I had a rat. It was the best pet. And they, you know, it sat on my shoulder. We would Netflix and chill together and eat Cheetos. <laughs> I, I get these stories all day long.
1: So it sounds like you have trained your rats to do some pretty incredible stuff. <laughs> but one of the things I'm curious about, have they ever gone like totally rogue and just like run into the crowd in the middle of a performance? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: they, when they get off their platforms, they pretty much just run right to me. Because I'm I'm the source of, like, comfort, food, love, all the good things. And if they don't run right to me, they run right to where they know I hide the almonds.
1: Okay. But if
2: I'm in the lanes with the rats and they're on their platform and people put their hands out, they will often run to specific people. My favorite moment of that was it was early morning at a fair. I don't even know if the fair was open yet. I think we were just standing around waiting for front gate. And a woman who worked there held her hand out to pet the rat. And she had one of those, like, really tight corsets with, like, the cleavage that looks like a butt on your chest, just, like, sticking on up there.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. And
2: the rat, as soon as she put her hand out, the rat ran up her arm and just dove headfirst into her cleavage. And before we could even react, he pops back out, and he's got (laughs) a bit of scrambled egg in his paws, and he's eating scrambled egg. (laughs) And she's like, oh, I I guess I dropped my breakfast down there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I love that the rat just the rat just swan dives into her cleavage and comes up with like a chunk of egg.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, when you have the bodices like that, there's there's definitely a space for things to fall. It happens. But yeah, they have really good noses and he knew where the egg was at.
3: My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe came along. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com tapiphone There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
1: besides going crazy for scrambled eggs and people's cleavage, (laughs) these rats are really, really well trained. Could you take me a little bit through of like how long until these rats are stage ready and kind of what is their training like?
2: I can get them stage ready pretty quickly. They won't be doing like that obstacle course I described is a thing that takes months because there's a lot of separate behaviors. But I can get them to do like one maybe two tricks on stage in a couple weeks okay i mean the first thing is getting them confident outside of the cage and confident with me and comfortable so i just give them free range time where i'll sit on one side of the couch and i have a little bit of food in my hand and if they get near me i'll give them some food so for the first day or two every time i give them a little treat i go and then they recognize that that sound is associated with the treat so once they've got that connection going, I'll put them on a table and I tap various parts of the table. And if the rat goes to the place I tap, then I do the hup and they get the treat. And like, it'll take minutes usually for the rats to figure out. I touch this part of the table and they run to it and they get a treat.
1: How did you learn how to train rats?
2: Well, uh, I took a psychology course when I was in college with lab. And I fell in love with my lab rat. <laughs> our eyes met over a crowded Skinner box. <laughs> it's really beautiful. Uh, so my, our job was to train the rats to press a lever. And I was just so amazed, like this little little furry animal that I'm all bonded with. And it's learning how to press a lever. And it's so smart and so cute. So I guess for the long time I had in my brain, like, I should train rats. But initially, I just had rats that I loved up on and walked around with. And then it wasn't till about ten years ago <laughs> when I trained pandemic, bubonic, and Ebola.
1: <laughs> wow, those are great rat names.
2: <laughs> and really, really, all they did was jump through a hoop, turn in a circle, stand on their hind legs, and walk a tightrope.
1: Okay, the rats. It seems like you got a good system for training them. Mm-hmm. What about the cats? What is their training like?
2: Um, it's. Pretty much exactly the same, only more distracted.
1: They're just more difficult to work with?
2: they're, They're just less focused. So if a rat knows it does these three behaviors and it gets an almond, you put the rat down on the table and it just like speeds through the behaviors. With the cat, the cat knows it has to do three behaviors to get the chicken in your hand. So the cat will like do the first behavior, stop, think about it, maybe scratch himself, look up in the trees, do the second behavior, yawn, stretch... Do the third behavior and then get the treat.
1: So so the cats are just a little too professional yeah. to need a lot of practice, maybe. <laughs> so we've covered the rats and the cats, mm-hmm. but there's also you, the human. Yeah, I do stuff side. too. You do stuff too. I do um, stuff too. And it's pretty physical stuff on your end. Like mm-hmm. you're doing slack ropes, you're upside down, you're juggling things, you're doing splits. What's your training like?
2: I'm glad you asked. (laughs) It's usually about three to five hours a day. Whoa. During the winter, it's more like three to five hours. During like this this time of year, it's like three hours. So I'll do a half hour ballet bar warm up. I'll do 45 minutes of stretching. And then depending on what day it is, I might do an hour of rope walking. I might do an hour and a half of rope walking. But I do a lot of... The conditioning that aerialists do, uh, and then <sighs> there are other skills. So, uh, one of the things that I've just started putting in the show is hula hooping fire on the slack rope for our alternate fire show.
1: Gotta have it.
2: <laughs> yeah, everyone likes the fire show.
1: <laughs> everyone loves pyrotechnics. <laughs>
2: oh, I, or, or rats jumping through fire. It's, it's smaller than that. Uh, a lot of Renaissance fair performers will have a fire show. That's their finale show. Because if it's, like, 5 o'clock and you're opposite the joust, it's really hard to get a big crowd. And the crowd that is there has been drinking in the sun all day long. (laughs) So you want to, like, cut your really clever puns and just set things on fire and let them come over to your show.
1: Have you always worked in these types of jobs? Like, uh, have you ever had kind of a traditional 9 to 5 job?
2: Um, eh. I was a contact juggling Martian in a theme restaurant in Times Square once. <laughs> uh, for about two days, I worked for a woman who knitted $500 dog sweaters for teacup poodles. <laughs> I found her through Craigslist. She. I went to the interview. I knitted a sweater. I. We both realized it wasn't going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> so then I was a Jello shot girl, and then I was a professional Martian.
1: I love professional Martian. I just really like that as a, as a nice title. It was, it's a very fun one. It was
2: a. It was really great in that it was a restaurant. They hired actors to do like interactive stuff, a little bit like Jekyll and Hyde Club, only on Mars. But it worked out really well for me because I was new to contact juggling and it's kind of this weird ethereal looking thing and they want to be the Empress of Mars and talk. And I can can talk, but talking in a restaurant all night long really kills your voice. So I decided I was just going to contact juggle and look all ethereal and alien. And it worked out really well because people enjoyed it and took pictures. But it worked out well for me because basically I just had paid juggling practice time.
1: What have you learned about... Yourself after performing with cats and rats,
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I think it's that I, I've learned I can do suffering on stage very well. <laughs> Like like some people are good at at crying on command, or some people are really good at coming up with one liners. I'm I'm really good at suffering on stage and having people stay and watch it. <laughs> I mean, the cats have completely upped my improv game, that's for sure. Uh, but there, I mean, so many things can and do go wrong in this show, and you just kind of roll with it. And I think that it's a really big asset to my performance because there's this moment when you've done a show 300 times this year already. And it starts to get stale, but it doesn't get stale for me because I have this element of uncertainty. Like, I don't know what the cats are going to do. I don't know what the rats are going to do. And the audience, we have people that come every weekend to watch it just because they're hoping something will go wrong with the cats or rats and watch me deal with it. So I found if I just take a breath and take a moment and just connect with the audience and show them like, hey, look, I'm suffering on stage. This is really difficult. People respond to that because, like, they know I'm a human. They know these are cats. Like, it's almost like we're all in this together.
1: So at this point in time, like, you've done a lot in terms of being able to come up with your own show, build your own sets. You have a lot of skills in acrobatics, juggling, things like that. Would you ever want to work for a larger production like Cirque du Soleil or something Where you're just one performer in a large company? Working for
2: something like Cirque du Soleil would be amazing. It sounds like it would be... I mean, I'm not going to say it would be restful because that's an intense gig as well. But it would be so nice (laughs) to do a show where all I had to do was be a performer. I didn't have to book it. And I didn't have to fix the costumes. And I didn't have to clean up the cat poop and all of that. I would enjoy that. But I also... (laughs) have a compulsion to create my own material and I I don't know that I could be happy if I wasn't also doing that. Yeah. Cuz in my show I'm like the booking agent and I'm the customer and I'm the set designer and I'm the tour manager and I'm the animal wrangler and I'm the personal <laughs> trainer and and the performer and like all of those things. So it's such a an intense full-time job.
1: Yeah, and it must be like I mean, in some ways, it must just feel sometimes like it's just tearing your brain apart to like do all of these different radically different tasks.
2: It's very helpful that at this point, my circuit is fairly stable. So I have a pretty good idea of what this year is going to look like and what next year is going to look like. And there are shows I've been doing for many years that I'm fairly certain will bring me back. So that's like just a huge bit of mental energy that I don't need to expend. Because as a performer, your whole job is looking for work. So if I don't have to yeah. like be gnawing my fingernails and wondering how I'm going to eat next month, that's so much more time that I can be writing new material.
1: One thing I'm wondering about is like where do you see this going? Like if I was to ask you like a totally, you know, traditional uh, nine to fivey type of question, like what is your five-year plan with Cirque du Sewer.
2: Um, I, I have a feeling there's going to be more cats. It seems <laughs> inevitable at this point.
1: <laughs> so the introduction of more cats.
2: Probably more cats, but I would love a chance to get together with other musicians and performers and create material that isn't just my cat and rat stuff, but I love the cat and rat stuff, but you know, juggling or playing music or clown routines or rope walking. I have this aerial hoop routine that i've been working up where i sing the habanera as a giant chicken and i don't get to do that in my show seems like that needs to be performed somewhere
1: do you kind of have a feeling of like a sense of comfort by having the animals on stage with you at this point like would you be a little bit nervous maybe to be doing something to be all alone out there
2: Nah, not at all (laughs) um that's not to sound arrogant uh i've (laughs) <laughs> I did stage acts before I ever had animals and I still perform without them occasionally. But it's when you're performing, when you're busking or street performing or doing a renaissance fair, you don't have people that showed up because they want to see you. You have people that are like drinking beer and eating turkey legs and thinking about the joust and checking out the girls with the bodices and the boobies up to their chins. Like there's a lot of distractions. And then there's five other shows happening so you have to in like 10 seconds get someone's attention and convince them to look at you and then in the next 10 seconds you have to convince them to go sit down and watch your show and that's it's a difficult thing
1: and that part's just a lot easier yes when you got a bunch of rats and cats yes
2: and I don't even (laughs) when I hawk my show I basically stand in the lanes and I have a little platform and there's a beach umbrella and a beach chair and the rats sit in the beach chair so they're about at eye height and then I have a little sign that hangs down that says my show time. So I just kind of stand there with rats sitting on a beach chair with an umbrella and I wave people to stop and do a double take and be like, what the hell is that? And it's a conversation starter. <laughs> so but without that conversation starter, I don't know how I would ever get people to watch my show. Other performers are really good at just jumping up in people's faces and saying, hey, we've got a juggling show. We've got comedy sword fighting. And I cringe so hard from that because if i'm at a renaissance fair and i see an actor walking toward me my first thought is oh god please don't interact oh god no no i don't i don't want to i don't want to have an interaction please don't thee and thou at me i'm i'm just trying <laughs> to drink my beer so <laughs> i i think it's way better to have someone look at me make the decision to walk over to me and I usually just will like point to the rat and be like, you can pet them. It's OK. And then once they're hooked and they're talking to the rat, that's when I'll say, have you seen our show? And that's that's how the conversation starts.
1: So on the subject of people seeing your show, mm-hmm. where can people catch Cirque du Sewer right now?
2: Right now, we're performing at the Scarborough Renaissance Fair, and that has five more weekends. It's in Waxahachie, Texas, which is outside of Dallas.
1: I just want to say, Melissa, thank you so much for being on the show. This was so much fun.
2: Fantastic. It was lovely speaking with you.
1: Today's episode was produced by Matthew Brown. We'd like to thank Derek Clemens for additional recording help. Weird Work is a production of HubSpot Podcast. If you dig the show, or even if you don't, you can let us know over on our Twitter and Facebook at Weird Work. We always love hearing from you. As always, I'm your host, Sam Balter, and stay weird, you Schrodinger cats. Are you alive or are you dead? Are you both?
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?